G'day World, podcast from Australia. Alright, welcome to the very first edition of G'day World, the Aussie blogcast. I'm Cameron in Melbourne and this is Mick in Sydney. Say g'day Mick. And I'm Mick up in lovely sunny Sydney town. Now Mick and I have been uh, sitting here tonight, it's, uh, what is the date it's thursday the 25th of november at 11:34 p.m. in australia we've been sitting here for the last hour and a half hour and a half trying to figure out how to actually record both ends of a skype call we thought we had it all sussed out didn't we mate yeah this is not an easy feat let me tell you <laughs> we uh spent the last couple of days trialing different bits of software and ended up finding this piece of software called replay telecorder which seemed to be fantastic but then when we started to test it out tonight, uh, it caused massive echo on uh, one side of the line and we spent an hour and a half trying to sort it out. And then it's strange because it's the software that a couple of people have recommended to try and do these dual-person podcasts. Yeah. So there's got to be an easy solution on the Windows platform for doing this stuff. Yeah. We think we finally figured out a way to do it and we... Uh, we found the secret on groomet.net or groomet.net. I'm not sure how he pronounces that. We'll put the links up on uh, the notes for the site anyway. But basically what we're now doing is uh, using Audacity on both ends. Mick's recording his side of the conversation and I'm recording my side. And at the end we're going to try and stitch them together and <laughs> see if it works. But it's, it's a pretty clumsy uh, model, isn't it? Yeah, it's not the best way in the world. So, but... Who knows how they do these things? It's obviously easier on the, well, God forbid, the Macintosh platform. And look, yeah, obviously, and, and you know, the whole podcasting thing is, you know, it's been around for three months now. Come on, I mean, yeah. <laughs> haven't people figured someone, out how to do this yet? <laughs> I think someone would get their shit together, but okay. <laughs> yeah, well, it's good to know that we're uh, still somewhat on the cutting edge, even though we're three months in. <laughs> and an hour and a half into trying to record it. That's right. So, Mick, why don't you uh, introduce yourself a little bit, talk a little bit about who you are and your background, just for uh, the new listeners, people who uh, don't read your weblog. Okay. Um, my weblog, probably first up, you can find it at uh, www.splat.com.au slash blog. Um, I'm currently working as a executive producer for John Singleton's advertising company, for those of you that aren't in Australia, John Singleton's probably one of the the largest and probably one of the oldest advertising gurus in this country and has been around for quite a few years. So um, I essentially run the interactive department over there and am a sort of technology evangelist by trade. And yeah, it's an in- interesting career. And the podcasting thing has sort of come about through the the blogging side that both Cameron and I have been doing. So it's been a... Um, interesting way to meet people and get together in sort of a great little networking solution. And how long have you been blogging, Mick? I've been blogging on and off for probably about two years now. I went through a phase early last year where I sort of started blogging and all the hype was there and I did quite a few posts and then I stopped for about six months and then um, got back into it late last year and have been going pretty strongly ever since there. Good stuff. And uh, myself, uh, I'm the uh, CEO of a software company in Melbourne called Bryn Systems. Uh, I've been doing that for a couple of months. And before that, I was with Microsoft for about six years as kind of an uh, e-business evangelist in Australia. A Microsofty. Yeah, an ex-Microsofty. An so, ex-Microsofty. Um, 
I've had the chip uh, thoroughly removed from my uh, frontal cortex. Stop drinking the Kool-Aid? Uh, yeah, but the company that I run now, we're a, we're a Microsoft partner. We're a, actually, I think we've just become a gold certified partner and we specialize in a BizTalk server. And it's a, you know I I still believe in uh, the Microsoft model I think uh, for all of the flaws that the company has and trust me there's a lot of them at the moment I still think they're uh, they got the right idea I still think they've got the best uh, the mes- best model for making IT available to the masses. All they need is a good iPod or piece of software and we'll all be safe. <laughs> yeah. So there's a tip to anyone in Redmond who might happen to listen to this uh, build something hey, that Scoble. makes it yeah <laughs> Scoble get your shit together. It's all right for your boss, Len. Uh, you know, Phil Tyrone's recording it on a Mac, but uh, for <laughs> us poor PC users, somebody needs to come up with a better solution. They now, do. let me just talk a little bit about the name of the show. We've called it G'day World, um, kind of a, a tongue-in-cheek reference to Hello World, which, of course, is the first thing that you ever learn to do when you learn to do any programming. Struth, mate. Struth, mate. <laughs> And uh, actually, that just reminds me, this is, I, I want to throw in a bit of a lesson here for uh, any Americans or anyone from North America, actually, or the UK for that matter, who wants to learn to speak Australian. I'm sick to death of hearing, uh, particularly, particularly Americans coming out here and trying to put on an Australian accent, thinking it's funny, and they stuff it up. It always comes out as, G'day, mate. Oh, g'day, g'day, mate. It's not that. I, I'm gonna. I explained this to a Canadian lady I met recently, uh, and this this is how you say hello if you're in Australia. It's g'day, mate. How the fuck are ya? How you doing, mate? How you doing, mate? Yeah, not bad, mate. Yeah. Yeah, having a beer, mate. You all right there? Yeah, not bad, mate. How the fuck are you, mate? How's the missus, mate? Yeah, how's the kids? Yeah, she's good, mate. Yeah, she's good. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, they're good. Yeah, all right. And that's basically it. Okay, so it's got to you got to string it all together. And it's got to be done as laid, you know, laid back but fast. It's not slow, and it's not g'day. It's g'day, mate. How are you? Yeah, g'day. G'day, mate. Just think Russell Crowe. That's how Russell Crowe would say. G'day, mate. How are you? Yeah. Not Steve Irwin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. It's Russell Crowe, not Steve Irwin. I think that basically sums it up. All right. Well, I'm glad we got that out of the way. So, why are we doing the podcast, Mick? What 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 are your ambitions for the podcast? Oh, look, I think. We've both been playing around with the blogs for quite a while now, and the podcasting was, I think, just the um, the next obvious jump for us to sort of take a bit of the, the conversations that we have. Um, and for you guys out there, obviously Cameron is in Melbourne, I'm in Sydney. The distance, the physical distance between us is probably, what, just under a 1,000 kilometres? Yeah, hour so, and a half flight. Yeah, about an hour and a half flight. So whenever I'm usually down in Melbourne for work, Cameron and I get together we have this we have a coffee session which is great and we have these fantastic conversations that are always good so <laughs> they amuse us anyway well they do they amuse us and you know and they're, they're in, they are interesting they are interesting so the podcast is probably a good way for us to take some of the weird and wonderful things that are in our minds and sort of share them with other people and get a bit of a response from from people out there assuming anyone gives a shit and listens yeah, I was telling a friend of mine today that we were going to do this, and she said, "Oh my God, feeding your delusions again." <laughs> and uh, so that, I've, and I like that, and so much that I'm, I think I'm going to call the, uh, this my you know, feeding my delusion. That's going to be my motto from now on. I quite like it. Fig jam. Fig jam. Yeah, <laughs> that was the other name that we were going to come up with. This. Um, I don't know if fig jam translates out of Australia, but it stands for "fuck I'm good, just ask me." And. Yes. Uh, Anyway, I've been called that since uh, 
as far back as I can remember. So uh, let's get into the uh, the guts of this, mate. We're a few minutes in, and uh, I guess we basically we want to talk about what's in that's new, that's cool. And uh, I, I tell you one thing that I've been struggling with in the last couple of days. I know you and I emailed about this. Uh, I've been trying to figure out how do I take podcasts that I've been pulling down using Doppler and turn them and and turn them into AAC and M4A or M4B so I can bookmark them because. You know, most podcasts I listen to, like Engadget or Adam Curry, or they're an hour, 45 minutes to an hour long, and, and I don't spend that long in traffic in the morning usually to, to listen to them. So I stop it, and then I'll end up, you know, turning off my iPod or listening to music. I want to pick it back up where I can, and obviously you can't do that when you're listening to an MP3. Now, I don't know if you've figured out a way to do this, because I spent hours last night... Uh, reading all the tips and everyone's saying well you know you've got to convert it into AAC and you can do that in iTunes or there's a number of tools and then everyone's talking about somehow you need to change either the extension or something from M4A to M4B space and that's supposed to enable bookmarking but I tried around with that last night and I could not get it to work for the life of me I mean it's a clunky solution anyway but I just couldn't get it working have you um, dicked around with that okay. at all I have, yeah no I haven't heard of turning into an M4B or putting a space in it that just sounds something that a Mac user would come up with um, <laughs> well actually this yeah it's uh, there was a couple of sites I found that were talking about this and, and somebody has written a piece of Apple script that apparently will automate this process but of course you and I are um, Windows users, and Apple Script doesn't work on Windows. No, I couldn't find anything that was PC based. Well, there is not for the AAC files, but I was having a hunt around the wmplugins.com website, which is sort of I get the impression that it's actually run by Microsoft, and it's just like a, a massive collection of plugins for Windows Media Player. Um, not sure if it's just for the desktop version or whether it works for things like the portable media center and that sort of stuff. But if you do a search on wmplugins.com for bookmarks, you get two applications come up. One called Bookmark Extension, spelt the funky .com way with an X instead of an E, and something called BTV Enhancer for Windows Media Player 9. Um, I had a bit of a play with a BTV Enhancer, but of course running Windows Media Player 10, for some reason it didn't want to work. So I need to try this other version, this... Um, bookmark extension app but once again I'm not sure whether that's purely going to be for WM, um, WMA files or whether it will work for MP3 files and you don't listen to podcasts on your iPod really do you? You listen to them on your media centre and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah well I, originally the whole you know when the podcast thing started I was there day one listening to podcasts listening to Adam and, you know, and the daily source code and I was pulling them down to my um to my iPod, and that was great, but I only live about sort of five, ten minutes away from work, and the drive into work, and yes, I do drive into work for five minutes, it's not really enough time to listen to those 40 or 50 minute podcasts, so since I purchased my Windows Media Center a couple of weeks ago, um, I'm finding it's the perfect device for, Dop well, Doppler runs on that, during the day while I'm at work, it's automatically going off and and downloading all of the podcasts that I listen to and putting them into a the playlist. And I'm just listening to them at home on the Media Center, and it's a really cool way to use the device. gives you the full-screen interface. It's playing through my lovely 5.1 Sony surround sound system. Nothing like hearing Philip Tyrone and Len Pryor in surround sound in 
is pretty interesting, but... <laughs> You're such a geek. <laughs> yes, well, hmm, that's what they tell me. But no, but, see, I'm finding that the podcasting thing, maybe I should call it window media casting or windows media center casting or something like that. <laughs> I think, I think Adam was, uh, very definite at, at uh, BloggerCon <laughs> when he said, we are not changing the name. It's too late. It's, it's already out there. Uh, the meme is out there. Yeah, but I was having this conversation with, um, Trevor Cook today from, what's Trevor Cook's main web blog called? Corporate Engagement. I was having a chat with Trevor Cook, who has actually travelled over to the States for BloggerCon, and we were talking about this sort of the podcasting name thing. And it's just something I find that I talk to a few people at work about it, and they automatically assume that it's something that you can only do on your iPod. Yeah, I, I think you know that seems to be the common complaint about it. But you know, I think uh, it's just an it's just an education thing. Let's. Let's face it, uh, not many people even know what it is yet. <laughs> well, and that was one of Trevor's great comments. He, he sort of he's a, works in the PR industry, and he's sort of going through this whole process of trying to educate people about blogging, and he's going you, hard enough to do that, let alone try and educate them about the concept of podcasting. Yeah, I, uh, I've been doing sort of um, vox pops with people over the last few days in preparation for this, asking... Uh, you well, know, did you record any? No, I didn't. I should be. I'm going to throw the iTalk on top of my iPod from now on and record them. But it's just actually, I had a um, a workshop with half a dozen technical folks from one of Australia's leading kind of um, dot coms, uh, surviving dot coms yesterday. And I and I thought, well, you know, these guys are going to be out there. They're techies and they're working in a dot com. And I said, so uh, how many of you know what podcasting is? And no, oh, how many of you listen to podcasts and there were no hands? <laughs> I said, <laughs> you got that glazed. Yeah, look. exactly. You know, who knows what a podcast is? Nothing. I said, how many people have got an iPod? And there was like one hand. And I said, how many people got an MP3 player? And there was like two or three more hands. I'm like, and these guys actually sell iPods, I think, through their site. You know, they're a B two C site. But um, so look at you know the the paradigms. It's even like Skype. I mean, the how many people even know what Skype is still today? I, I I've been. The PABX at our office blew up the other day, and so we've had all these, uh, you know, telco hardware companies coming in and telling us about why we should spend five thousand bucks on a new PABX. And and I've been saying, well, you know, why don't I just use Skype for all my calls out and my mobile for calls in? And they're all every one of them so far has gone. What Skype? I'm going. Skype. <laughs> it's the thing that's going to put you guys out of business. It's the thing that's going to take the money, the food off your table. That's right. That's you know, it's not going to happen tomorrow, and it's probably not going to happen next year. But uh, I have little doubt that you know, voice over IP, software-based voice over IP applications in the next decade are going to be commonplace in our homes. You know, it just. You know, you and I were planning this thing uh, <laughs> over Xbox Live a couple of nights ago, right? After a game of Halo 2 where I kicked your ass, just yeah, yeah, for yeah, the record. Yeah, 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 enough of hey. that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, you're right, the voiceover IP stuff, I mean, there's, I've got two friends in Sydney who actually no longer have actual landlines running into their house. They have their um, broadband coming in via unwired into the into the house so they're actually running their voice over IP with a proper setup with one of the local Australian VoIP companies and Telstra are not taking any revenue from them at all 
Mm, although they're they're probably getting something out of unwired for appearing connection or. Oh, and no doubt as the bandwidth starts to but... churn, they'll they'll no doubt get something from it. But still, in that concept, he's actually sort of rented a house and hasn't actually got a phone line working in there, which is quite a novel idea. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about your media center, Mick. How long have you had it? Oh, the media center, glorious device. Had it for about what four weeks now, I think. Shit. Three, four weeks, probably three. Actually, probably three weeks, four weeks, probably. Considering it was only launched at the sort of towards the end of October. Um, and we've been sort of waiting in Australia. We never got the first version of the Media Centre or Media Centre 2004. So Media Centre 2005 is the first edition that we've actually got out here. So I had a play with it when I was visiting Scoble in Redmond in February and absolutely fell in love with it back then. So as soon as it was available in Australia, I think it was like the second day it was out, I actually laid my hands on a on a HP version, the top-of-the-range HP model. And this is, it's just brilliant. The ability to pause live, t- live TV is just... No matter how many times you do it, it just brings a smile to your face every time. So I've had a few friends come over and, and do sort of experience the whole scenario as well. And the ability to pause live TV, it plays all of my photo files are on there, it plays all of my audio files, it has my... DVD library slowly being encoded onto it. Um, the one thing we are missing in Australia is the electronic program guide. And the electronic program guide is probably the... For it to go out to the general consumer, the electronic program guide is going to be the bit that's actually stopping it from going out there. That's the lovely part of the tool that allows you to, to browse through the, the TV listings on the device itself and actually click on, for example, The Simpsons and go, do you want to record just this episode of The Simpsons or do you want to record the entire season of The Simpsons? So without having to go through that whole process of scheduling it and programming it, what channel is it on, what time does it start, what time does it finish, blah, 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 all that sort of stuff, the EPG is the the real crux of this thing being useful. And that comes down to, I think the Australian Broadcasting Authority and the television stations in Australia not wanting to release the data at this point, which is a real shame. Yeah, it's funny. I remember probably back in about 98, late 98 or early 99, uh, when I was at Microsoft, I was working with the Web TV team out of uh, San Jose, that, uh, just after Microsoft had acquired Web TV. Mm. And we were looking at bringing Web TV to Australia, and we were working with uh, Telstra at the time and a bunch of parties out here to get an EPG up and running then. So, you know, people have been talking about EPGs in this country now for for at least five, if not six or more years. Um, surprises me that that's still such a big issue. Yeah, it's, it just seems to be that the TV stations are probably a little bit paranoid about providing a dev- providing a system where people can very easily record their TV shows. Hey, did you- it was interesting. I was at the... Microsoft just had a recent partner briefing on Tuesday night in Sydney that's actually touring around the country. Yeah, it's here uh, was- Monday, Tuesday next week. I'm going to that. Yeah, well, there's a company touring around with that called Alltech. And Alltech are prov- uh, actually an OEM supplier, and they're actually putting together their own Windows Media Centers with Windows Media Center 2005 on there, they have patched together an EPG. I played with it on Tuesday for Australian data, and it worked straight away. It was fantastic. 
they were telling me they'll probably release it in about two weeks and the clever little souls down there will probably charge a small fee for it. So they'll probably charge you about 30 bucks a year to subscribe to their EPG. Well, that's clever. Well, it's, like I said, it's the real crux of making the media centre useful to the, the everyday public. Without the EPG, it's, it's a great, don't get me wrong, it is still fantastic. But without the EPG, it's actually quite useless to your normal everyday consumer. Hmm. So if these guys can sort of score, th- you know, well, not only will they be selling their, their PCs, but, you know, an extra 30 bucks a year, 40 bucks a year, whatever the case is, to actually give you the EPG is a nice little idea on their part. So it's just really, I think it surprised everybody that Microsoft released it in this country without the EPG. Hmm. Interesting stuff, and uh, I know I've spoken to at least a couple of people at Microsoft locally who have built their own. Apparently, you can build one for under a thousand bucks. Yeah, it's the. I, th- I think you just got to make sure you've got the right video card. As long as you've got the right video card that's capable of, of capturing at a high enough quality, um, then I think you're pretty well fine. And of course, the the Windows Media Center software you can't actually purchase it as a boxed product. Well, so I've, the only way to I'm lay a, your hands on it is through the MSDN developers. No, nah, I'm on a website here, AusPC uh, Market Online. It's auspcmarket.com.au, and they're selling apparently uh, Microsoft Windows MCE 2005 Media Center Edition OEM CD for uh, 200 bucks, 220 ink GST. Okay. <laughs> so there you go. That's I just uh, I just googled it and uh, found it here. So where it's, is it? Oz PC Market Online. Yeah, I'll uh, just sit where you are and I'll IM you the uh, link. That's an interesting. It's actually not meant to be available for purchase. So and we'll we'll put this up on the notes and I don't know, maybe somebody from Microsoft, if anyone listens to this, can tell us whether or not that's legitimate. <laughs> Okay, uh, so moving along, uh, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was uh, Halo 2. I know you went to the launch and, uh, you know, you... Halo 2 rocks. You took took like a week off work. (laughs) Yes, I was one of those... Bought a new TV. Didn't you buy a... Sorry, sad individuals. You bought Um, a new TV, right, to... uh, No, 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 no. I had a supplier graciously lend me a 42-inch plasma screen. Ah, very nice. Which completely dwarfed my living room. But, um... No, myself and a couple of the boys from work and a couple of the guys that we, we play Halo with um, took the the evening, sort of went to the the pub, had dinner and a few beers, and then wandered down to Pitt Street Mall, which is in the centre of the Sydney CBD district. Um, and they actually had it blocked off for the Halo 2 launch outside the Meyer shopping complex. Meyer is one of the large department stores, well, probably the largest department store in Australia. So they had about four or five hundred people show up for the launch, and it was quite good. They had a band playing inside. They had a, I think, Regurgitator was playing inside. They had a couple of Halo vans parked outside with um, Xboxes playing inside them that you could actually just line up at the van. And you know, something you've got to get is a forty-two inch plasma in the back of your car. That was just perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Open up the back doors, and there's a forty-two inch plasma there. It was just wonderful. Yeah, I've um, seen those vans up in Sydney. They're wicked. Yeah, so they had about 400 people showed up for the launch, and of course they had the, the Xbox girls walking around, the, little Xbox che- the Xbox Halo 2 cheer squad, 
which was interesting for all of these young prepubescent game players that tagged along made their evening. You didn't notice them though, of course. No, 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 no. no. We were too busy talking, so no, 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 no. I missed that completely. But it was good, like yeah. So we lined up till about twelve thirty, got inside, purchased our copy of Halo Two, rushed back to my house. It was four of us, and we started to play the campaign in cooperative mode. That was so we probably started playing about one o'clock in the morning, and pretty well called it quits at about four o'clock that afternoon. <laughs> And then still had to play another three hours later in the week to actually finish it off. But we managed to finish it in that first week, which was which was pretty good. So what did you think of the campaign? Look, the, the campaign's good. The campaign... Did you play it on Legendary or Heroic? Oh, Legendary. Le- yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Legendary, yeah, yeah. I think not. Um, oh, you no. didn't? No, oh, Christ, no. <laughs> what did you play it on? What level? Um, what's the one above the normal level? I heroic. heroic. I think it's heroic. Yeah, no, heroic. Yeah, so. I I played it through the first time on a heroic. I just went back and started playing it on legendary a couple of days ago, and man, it's hard. You know, it's, yeah, I can imagine. Have, have you, the thing about legendary is you don't get any uh, grenades. <laughs> I mean, apart from the fact that the elites are like impossible to kill with a weapon with a gun. You uh, you don't get any grenades for the first couple of uh, levels. Grenades are good. You know? Yeah, well, that's good. They come in handy. Well, yeah, particularly trying to kill elites, man. You're trying to kill elites with a, you know, your three-shot rifle, uh, battle rifle. It's bloody hard. Anyway, it doesn't quite work. No. But, no, look, I mean, we we had a great time. The, the campaign was good. I mean, you've played the campaign through now. Yeah. What did you think of the ending? Without th- giving away too much to people who haven't actually finished it. Yeah, I, I kind of thought the ending sucked. I it, it was a, I mean, not not a letdown as much as it's just sort of. Finished suddenly. It it kind of reminded me of the end of uh, the first Lord of the Rings film. Like <laughs> I've been sort of going to a commercial break. We'll be back after this, and we don't come back after this. That's it. I've been you know I've been playing this thing. I've you know probably played it for I don't know you know forty fifty hours. I don't know what it was to take me to get through it. And then all of a sudden it's like you kill. Oh well, yeah, you kill who you kill at the end. Don't want to throw any spoilers in there. And it's like okay, that's it. I was like, and you're what? sort of waiting for the next level to start. And the credits roll. Yeah, yeah. So and you're sort of going, what happened then? What yeah. Going on? And I mean, and and killing the last person you kill. I mean, that was that was tough, but it wasn't you know, excruciatingly tough. It wasn't, you the, know? wasn't the toughest out of the kills. No. Out of the whole game. So it was kind of uh, yeah, strange. Anyway, but I mean, I've been playing Xbox Live uh, for the last week, and uh, I'm loving that. I'm, I'm loving. I just think they've done a fantastic job. I mean, total credit to the Bungie guys and the Microsoft guys for putting together the live system. It's just extremely yeah, live- slick. Yeah, the campaign's great, but it's nothing like playing the live. The live version is fantastic. And, you know, I've got a, an old mate of mine, an old boss of mine, actually, who's now a mate of mine, Mike Vallander, who um, I worked with at Aussie Mail before I joined Microsoft, and then Mike went on and did a few dot-com things and is now the CEO of um, a CSIRO spin-off building wind farms. But... Um, when I first met Mike, he was, he was right into Age of Empires, and this is like, you know, kind of mid-90s, and and I thought at the time, you know, come on, dude, you're growing up, you're playing computer games, what's your problem? And he <laughs> and he used to explain to me then this thing about playing them online, and we were at Aussie Mail, so we had like this 100, uh, you know, megabyte pipe out to the web at the time, which was like just huge bandwidth, we thought. And... Um, and he was explaining that you know, the, the fascinating thing for him about 
game theory and, and the, the way that you can pull a whole bunch of people from around the world together onto a team and very quickly, you know, they pick up roles and, and, and start moving into formation. And I, I guess that's the thing that's fascinated me most about, uh, you know, Rumble Pit or the, the team skirmish stuff on Xbox Live is how you'll get a team of four guys uh, or girls and guys who are in different parts of the world, never met each other. And in fact, most of the times you don't even talk, but there is strategy and roles and stuff. People just fall into that. You know, partnering mode—it's uh, fascinating to me. It's no, it's it's extremely well done. And I was just on the BungieNet, um, the Bungie.net site before we started this, before we started recording the podcast, and pulled up a couple of the the latest figures. So in the last 24 hours, they're saying they've had 347,000 unique players in Halo 2. That's pretty amazing. 838,000 matches logged. <laughs> That's, uh, I mean, just That's a, a lot of Halo 2. <laughs> yeah, I, I've, I can only just begin to imagine the sort of server farm that they're running that, that oh. handles all of that. It's, uh, it's a mammoth exercise. And, uh, you could host a pretty big podcast from there, couldn't you? Yeah, yes. and, it, and it, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know how the business model works because what do I pay for my Xbox Live thing? It's like 30 bucks a year or something for yeah, Xbox 30, Live. 30 bucks a year. Uh, I don't know how they make that model work, but hey, you know, thank you, Bill. Yeah, That's look, and, and the stuff at Bungie.net is the stats system there is just absolutely fantastic. <laughs> it's it's mind blowing, isn't it? Yeah, it's talking, that's just amazing. You know, uh, Shane Williamson. I, yep. uh, Shane just got Halo the other day, and uh, and I was urging he's not on Xbox Live yet, and I was urging him to get on. I just sent him to the Bungie stats site and he, he just flipped out this guy's a fairly hardcore gamer he just couldn't believe how sophisticated that was uh, yeah it's it's unbelievable but you've only got to look at the money they've made out of sales too so what did they tick over the first 24 hours in the US and Canada 125 million US dollars wow in the first 24 hours but you know you and I talked about that too about you know that's uh Everyone was comparing that to opening day box office, but I mean, the you pay obviously a hundred bucks in Australia for an Xbox game versus, you know, was it fifteen bucks to go to a movie? Yeah, yeah. But you know, you get you know, I don't know how much more uh, entertainment out of the game than you do out of the film. You get a three-hour film these days versus a hundred hours of versus play what, twenty hours of campaign play plus the live play on top of that. So. Yeah, and I'll play the campaign multiple times yeah. too. So, well, I mean, I was calculating the figures out. So, on 125 million sales, US Canada, for the first 24 hours, what's a Xbox game in the states? About 50 bucks. I think so. Yeah. Um, that's about two and a half million units. Wow. That's not bad for the first 24 hours. Um. You look at the Australian figures, I think they're saying that Australia, in the first week, they sold about $9 million worth. Wow. So average that out at, what, about 85 90 bucks a game they were selling it for? It's, well, I was going to say it's only 105,000 units. I, I, I just freak out over the 2.5 million units in 24 hours. That's a lot of games. That is a lot of games. And, you know, good luck to them. It's, you know, $20 million worth of investment and a big effort. Yeah, no, definitely interesting. And that's all we've got time for this week. Uh, this week? This show. <laughs> Where am I? Getting ahead of myself. This is the uh, very first G'day World podcast. Mick and I ran out of time. After we recorded that, we've spent 
the last uh, couple of hours trying to figure out how to merge all these files together and upload them. But uh, I hope you uh, didn't mind putting up with our rambling for the first show. Um, hopefully we'll uh, get this a little bit better uh, next time around. Cheers and uh, g'day. <laughs>